that the teachers union and the woke left are interested in the school and the institution. Whereas those who are advocates for parental choice and school choice are advocates for the child. What is the best thing for the child? So you have to drive that message forward that we are focused on what is best for the child. And you have to elect people to school boards who believe in the child and the primacy of the child. Hey, Joyful Warriors, Tiffany Justice here with the Joyful Warrior podcast with Moms for Liberty. I have two amazing guests with me today, Rabbi Yaakov Menken and Sheva Talby, a mom of eight from New York. And today we're going to talk about the fundamental right of parents to direct the education of their child and their medical care and their morality and their religion. It's a right. It's a responsibility, and it's a responsibility that Sheva takes very seriously, as do many other parents in New York. Rabbi Menken spoke at a recent uh, event that we had in Philadelphia about the fact that the yeshivas in New York have been under attack by the New York City DOE. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about that today uh, from Sheva. And Sheva, I'm just going to kind of pass this to you now. We'd love to learn more about your family and about some of the challenges and concerns that you have about education in New York City right now. Sure. Hi. So happy to be here. Happy to be a part of a wonderful cause, which is so, so important today. Before I got married and before I had my children, I was pretty set on sending my children to a a Jewish religious school, but that focused on Judaic studies for half of the day and secular studies for the other half of the day, which is where I attended school growing up, high school, elementary school. I never thought I would be a parent that would choose to have Judaic studies solely or focusing mostly on Judaic studies. when, I, when it came to looking for schools for my children, for my sons in particular, I did a lot of research and I saw that the top schools that kept coming up over and over again were the ones that focused mostly on Judaic studies. And it was then that I was like, I was like, wow, surprise. Like, you know, let's see what's going on. Let's learn more about them and see why this is a top performing school. And it turns out that it still is to this day, of course, and just be, just improving better and better. And the, the things that they come out with and, and the way the boys are graduating, it's just unparalleled to other schools, uh, public schools, of course, and you know even other private schools that focus very much on secular studies as well. So um, I want to say that my son's school is about 2,000 children in the school to this day. There's their day from nine to five or eight to five, depending on their age, focuses on primarily Judaic studies. There are parents that teach their children privately at home, either through another, like another track. There's like a private school they go to. It's not really a school. It's like a, um, a, a well, it's sort of like a school that they learn reading, writing, and math. Um, in in the English. In English, right. yeah, they already English. are learning reading, writing, and the math that comes up in their Jewish education, but the point is additional. Right. Go ahead. Exactly. And if you want, there's also options of adding history, etc. But I would like to say that it's really interesting that majority of the boys from this particular school don't receive formal secular learning, um, which is so surprising. My sons, my sons learned how to read and write on their own, and it's not an exception. There's many boys there in the same boat. I gave them, they had a few reading lessons, a few math lessons, 
the other things they learn through their own classes, through Talmud, through other things. It's not through form, formal learning, math, and and reading and writing. And of course, they learn how to read and write in Hebrew. That's that's definitely. And my son's school also focuses on Yiddish as well, but it's just a separate thing. So what really brought me to my husband and I, of course, we're you know equally in this at all times. Um, brought us the decision to bring our sons to this kind of school is because we saw the products of the school. We saw the kids. We saw the way they turned out. We saw their 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 enthusiasm for life. We saw how balanced they were. We saw their their health emotionally, mentally. And what more does a parent want from their children than to have them be happy, healthy, law-abiding citizens contributing to society and, and being successful like that. So when it comes down to the definition of success, what does success mean? Right. And it's also interesting to note that there, there's an overwhelmingly amount of business owners and professionals that are orthodox religious people that did not receive a formal, a formal secular education, but the, the, it's astounding the, the ratio you know, that, that they, 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 they didn't formally learn so many things, but at the same time, they're very successful. Again, what I'm saying successful in quotes is because it's not only financially successful, they happen to be many them financially successful, but today you can have a child that went to Princeton and, you know, top Ivy League colleges and are still sitting in their mother's basement playing video games at 42 years old. So is their child happy and healthy and, and um, contributing to society? No, but they received an education then you have yeshiva kids that are 24 and didn't receive, let's say, the top college education or didn't receive any college education at all, and they are raising healthy two-family units, husband and wives, healthy children. So there's something more. There's got to be something more to it than just how what you see on paper, the secular education, what's going on, what they're learning out of textbooks in school. So you you said you have your three-year-old son. You'd like to send him to this school that you've identified you feel is the best school for him. You and your husband have identified as the best school for him. Is the so, so my understanding is that New York City DOE has been under a lot of pressure for some time to produce a report regarding um, the yeshivas in New York. And I think I just saw the results of a report where they're saying that 26 of the 28 yeshivas are not actually what the, giving students what the DOE feels they need in order to be successful or, or to reach mastery to be able to be you know considered proficient students. So can we talk a little bit about the what you're seeing happen, some of the politics behind it, because it seems like there's some uh, politics happening. Perhaps Rabbi Minkin, you could talk about that. And, and what has your experience been so far with, with this idea of this audit of, you know, these private educational institutions and, and, and the government's opinion? Well, of first them? of all, I don't know if I can stand up for Princetonians, because unfortunately, as someone who graduated from the Princeton Computer Science Department, Alongside Jeff Bezos, who apparently was rather successful with his education, uh, I, I unfortunately can testify that I know of one or two people who did not actually do so well, despite coming out with a computer science degree at exactly the right time for an industry that was taking off. Um, and so, unfortunately, uh, Sheva is absolutely right about that, even though she made fun of Princeton. Um, but I, I that's sorry. Yeah, but also in 
um, it, it is important to point out that this is, you know, what, what Sheva is talking about, her son's school is one of those schools that was clearly identified as completely insufficient. And the, the fact that they're not getting a formal English education means that the Taube family is violating the law, according to the DOE. The school is insufficient. Now, this is we're talking about a public school system in New York City where three quarters of eighth graders, as I said at your conference, uh, are not proficient in math by their own standards. There's a lot of their own house that needs to be cleaned up. What has happened in this case is, as you described, there's a group called Young Advocates for Fairness in Education, YAFED, uh, which is almost entirely comprised of ex members of the community who are malcontents and people who were never part of the of the community and have always had a chip against it is that you know from even within the jewish community on his left fringe to have advocates against orthodox judaism is nothing new this is a new tactic that they pulled off whenever the state asked for feedback there were campaigns to make sure that parents knew about it and had the opportunity on the last round of when they were inviting feedback on the new rules. Again, you have a group of 20 advocates saying, oh, the parents within the Orthodox community really need to say, they, they say that they need change. The state got 300,000 letters, 300,000 letters saying, please do not change the schools and do not interfere. Uh, this is, uh, we're talking about the Jewish community. We have a 3,000 year uh, long experience with other governments trying to interfere with the advocation of our kids. The number of times that that has actually improved matters is zero. There is a unaltered record of universal failure whenever outside forces tell parents, we're going to do your Jewish education better than you know how to do. As Chavez made so clear, she's well, making the so, choice. It's her kids. Why do you think that the yeshivas are such a threat? Why you have a, a group of Orthodox Jews in New York that would like to, to, you'd like to educate your children in the manner with which you feel will yield the most successful and prosperous and happy life for them. And you have the government, the United States government, because we have compulsory education in the United States, right? Either you send your child to the government school or you have to give uh, evidence to show that they're receiving an education through some other method. And, and what they're saying to you is that the education that you're choosing for your child doesn't count, that they aren't going to count it. Now, I looked in, into this issue a little bit and they said, well, they're, they don't have enough Yiddish people to be able to go in and do the evaluations, people that speak Yiddish. That was one excuse that they gave for why it was taking so long, I guess, to come to an analysis. Now the analysis has come out and said 26 of the 28 schools are not giving children what they need. So where do you go from here? What, what's going to happen going forward? Because I know there are a lot of other moms and dads who are watching what's happening in New York and saying, how long until the government says that the school that I'm sending my child to, that's a Christian school or what have you, uh, you know, an alternate learning style before the government says, oh, sorry, nope, you don't count either. This school isn't going to, you know, isn't going to meet muster for us and, and we're going to shut you down and consider the education you're giving your child to not be relevant. It's I, I, I think what you're pointing out, which is a very real issue, is that the government has created an arbitrary checklist 
that they consider, oh, this is what a child needs to know. They're not looking at the successful right. outcomes. What Sheva is talking about is, you know, you look at the business owners. How many, what percentage of the graduates 10 years out are gainfully employed? What percentage of the graduates 10 years out are in a stable marriage and raising a family together, taking responsibility for their kids? What percentage of the graduates are incarcerated? There isn't a public school in New York City that measures anywhere close to the so-called failing yeshivas on any of these metrics. It's not even in the same solar system. So if you are actually being objective, if you actually cared about outcomes, this is not the direction you would go. Now, where we are- If you actually cared about the fundamental right, if you actually cared about the fundamental rights of parents, the fact that the parent is a God-given right, the government does not give you that right, and they cannot take oh, it away. Oh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I was without, even you know, taking as a given this idea that the Orthodox are backwards and uneducated and don't know what's good for their own kids, even if you tried to go at it that way, by their own standards, they're doing so well. But what I also want to point out to you, mm -hmm. which relates also to your last question, is there's a group in Britain called, uh, the, the British have something called Ofsted, the Office of Standards in Education. And they are actually at the point where they are imposing on the parochial schools, you have to teach LGBTQ tolerance and alternate lifestyles in your schools. And they're saying that in England, and that's the problem that they are having with their schools, including their Hasidic schools, that would rather not teach any of these subjects at all. Of course, sexuality is not something you're going to ever find taught in a primary school under Jewish, Orthodox Jewish auspices. Now, when you look at the real situation, what we do teach is that it doesn't matter how sinful the behavior, a person is a person, and you respect that person for who they are. Uh, we had a, a, a gay man, I don't know, I don't think my kids knew this, but my wife and I certainly did, as our guest at our Sabbath table within the past few weeks. We treated him like literally like any other guest. It just never came up. It was never discussed. I was at a recent family event where the hostess of the event gave me a ring and said that so-and-so and her gay partner are a little concerned about blah, blah, blah. And I said, don't worry, it's going to be fine. And we were there, and we were at the event, and afterwards the hostess said to me, it's obvious that you tried. And I, you know, I said, we didn't try at all. It wasn't relevant. We're not in the business of going into an event which has nothing to do with anything. And the fact that they are more than just friends was not relevant to anybody's life. So why was I going to treat them any differently than any other human being? I'm going to treat them as human beings. If they want to argue about me, with me about how I educate my kids, then I'm going to push back. But I'm not, I'm not there to indoctrinate well, anybody else, and I'm not there to condemn somebody else for having a lifestyle that I don't approve of. Not my job to be their supervisor. And I think a lot of American parents feel that way. I mean, I've said a couple times, Sheva, and you can talk a little bit about what the elementary or primary education looks like in some of the yeshivas in New York, if you could for a minute. Because the least interesting thing about a child in elementary schools should be their sexual orientation. I've always said, I don't care if my kids are gay 
or straight. I love them. I want them to be kind, compassionate people who grow up to be kind and compassionate to others and have family and life and friends. For That's important to me, right? That idea of success in life. You know, do they need to make the most money of anyone? No, I'd like them to be financially stable so that they can afford themselves a life where they can, you know, not worry about food, putting food on the table for their family. But, you know, the idea that we're talking to kids about, you know, are, are they gay or straight? And they're in like third grade. It, it must it's just ridiculous, right? And I think all moms are really coming together around that. But it seems like the schools, I mean, they just don't, they don't seem to care about what you think or what I think. Especially because I'm, I'm in this, you know, in this arena of marriage and dating, there's absolutely no reason to bring anything up of sexuality until the, the, the proper time. If a child asks you, you respond. There's no, there's no, there's not hidden. It's not secretive. If they want to know something, right. you tell them the same way, you know, you, you're doing anything. It's a matter of fact. The way I taught my daughters about their bodies and getting their period, this, this is what happens, this is what you do. Even if I was excited, I'm yep. like, I'm so excited. Now that means you'll be able to have a child. Isn't that amazing? They're like a little scared. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Now you can have It's amazing. You know. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> me too. I did this. And that was it, like beginning and end of it. And even if my son, you know, came home and asked me some questions about other things of sexuality that he heard somewhere or some this or that, and we don't really watch movies in my family or watch TV. So they're pretty, um, you know, sheltered, if you want to say, but they do other stuff. We go, we have a Wii and we, we, do, we do, I know, regular video games and stuff like that. We'll watch Disney occasionally. Yeah. But, Can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm saying, um, you know, it's some, so much of these things. I think that parents also are afraid to be the sole educator of like topics of sexuality in their homes. So they sort of like push the responsibility over to the schools, which is, irresponsible if you ask me i want to be the first my child you know not some teacher that i don't approve of and and you know you know and, and imposes her ideas on my children no way i would be horrified if i heard anything like that i think it's it's very important to look at this situation as something where you know this is an extension they started with the public schools they're going into the religious schools too they're doing it because they can they're doing it because they're not hearing from enough voices. It's obvious that the majority of Americans and even the majority in a blue state like New York do believe that parents are the ultimate arbiters of what is good for their kids. So how is it that all of a sudden, not only are the educators, these are the same educators who want to put LGBTQ in the classroom in the secular schools, they're going after the yeshivas. Part of this is clearly because the yeshivas are not woke. The yeshivas do not support LGBTQ. They're, the kids are growing up learning a fundamentally different ideology. And these are people who, honestly, this is a violation of the Constitution. These are people who do not respect religious liberty. They don't respect They have a godless religion called LGBTQ. And they want to put that in your classroom indoctrinate your kids, embarrass and repress and bully Christian children and other children who support traditional values, be they Muslim, Jewish, or other. And then at the same time, they're going to go after the yeshivas and say, you know what? It's not only that you're lacking. I mean, obviously, they're starting with so-called neutral things, but this goes immediately to once the government's setting the standards, the government and not the parents are setting the standards.
I think that that it's been a very important part of the conversation of school choice and parents. There's a lot of fear with parents who homeschool or parents who um, have their children in, in, in different types of private schools that if the money follows the child to those schools and it's taxpayer or federal money, that the values of the public school system, right? Because the values are being taught in public schools. Whose values are they? They're not the parents' values, right? It's the, we have government schools, they're government values, if, if there's such a thing, right? Um, and we're not talking about civics and, and the founding documents of the United States of America, because as you pointed out, you know, America was founded on the idea of religious liberty, but that is not something that is that we're seeing being exemplified in our public schools right now. So, you know, I think Sheva, to, to you, that your your story is is the fear of many other moms and dads who are now you know taking their kids out of the public school and putting them into a, a private school, and and they're concerned that a lot of the the woke ideology um, is it's going to follow. I mean, what what's your message to them? What do you think will happen? I mean, it's sort of Rabbi, Rabbi Menken already said there needs to be more voices. There needs to be more people not afraid to get up and say realize what's going on. Like there's even certain things that I had no idea of, you know, uh, I'll credit um, libs of TikTok, things that she puts up on her account. I'm like, unbelievable. Like, I'm just, am I so naive? But like, I'm like, no, I'm actually not that naive. I just, I'm shocked. Right? And this is going on everywhere and it's, it's going to keep going. Well, there needs to be more people that aren't afraid to speak up. That's for sure. And we, we know where the, I think we know that we're the majority. I, I don't know what the numbers are. You can let me know. But I, I like at, at, the, at the end of the day, all moms and dads want, as I said in the beginning, is for their children to be happy, healthy, mentally healthy, contributing yes. members to society. So that's all we care about at the end of the day. And, yes. you know, again, the government to trust that we're going to make that decision for our kids uh, to, 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 to reach this, this, this goal, this end goal. Um, I just want to yes. also mention before about the, I feel like, Mental health is a big priority in our schools. That's what I feel like. My my daughter herself, she's in high school now. You know how many there's a private girl, all girls high school, which is great. And even she tells me sometimes, you know, mommy, all, all the peer pressure that goes on in my school. I can't imagine having boys added to the mix. <laughs> she's like, you know what I mean? Like she's like, I'm always so thankful that I just have girls. I go to an all girls school. And she also does um, a camp every summer with um, a lot of secular people. And they're like, they're on their phones the whole time, like counselors and like text, oh, this guy and that guy and broke up that my friend, this oh, so much drama. Like they have to deal. I just, my heart goes out to these kids. They have to deal with so much drama from such a young age. And it's not necessary. Like, you know, from our dating is that we don't touch ever until we're married. We don't touch. There's no physical touch. And it happens to be that when I was a dating coach for the secular community, and these are, I'm talking about uh, young professionals from top companies. These are people that are smart and talented and capable and doing financially really well. And I told them my old archaic advice, how to date, <laughs> you know? And I remember when they first met me, they were like, well, you know, you're religious. And I'm like, okay, so you've tried everything else. Now try this. Right. Why not try this method? Because you've not had success yet. <laughs> so I feel like there's a big emphasis on mental health in our yeshiva system. My, as I was saying, my daughter's school, they have a whole team of therapists that are available at all times for girls to reach out to, which I think is amazing. And this is a newer thing. This is around the last 10, 15 years. They're so accessible. 
and there's no shame around it, which is so cool. I'm like, I look at my daughter. I'm like, so wait, if you had something, you just walk over to one of these people. She's like, yeah, why not? I'm like, now I'm a little like old fashioned. I'm like, okay, good. Go for it. You know? And it's usually, you know, school related things and friends and, but, or some kids that, that, that unfortunately need deeper help than great that they're too for you, you know? So, but you don't have to worry but you don't have to worry like other moms do, like my friends, that the child, one of the kids is going to go to the therapist and they're going to cut you out of an important conversation. I mean, if a, if a child went to a therapist and said, you know, I'm pregnant or I'm, you know, having thoughts of self-harm or, I mean, what would happen in your daughter's school? How would the parent be engaged? They would definitely get, to, there's no question about it, they would get in touch with us, for sure. Which, you know, there's the, 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 yeah. the conduit, you know, just in the between person. Oh, yeah, you that's don't want. want a situation where there's no daylight, where there is daylight, excuse me, between the teachers and the parents. Our fundamental right. approach to education is that the teacher is a representative of the parent. It is the yeah. parent's job to educate the child. Nobody else. It says right in the Bible, you shall teach it to your children. Your responsibility, you've got to do it. And yeah. if you send your kid to a school... That means that you trust somebody else's expertise, that they're going to do a better job than you could homeschooling that child. This is better for them. It's better for them, the social environment, for better than to be in classroom and everything else. And that's something that they seriously, you know, people consider. And therefore, they choose a school on that basis. But a school where teachers are being told, do not tell the parents what is going on, that's creating a mental health crisis. Inherently, exactly. there's it no is. way you teach you teach mixed day. messages to a child. You expect the child to go home and carry on like Sally, and then they go to school and carry on like Sam. They're acting half the day. They're not living their own authentic life. So the well, the I just to add on to that, we tell children that I tell my kids before they go to camp. If anybody goes next to you, if anybody wants to you feel uncomfortable about anything, you should never be in a room with, a room with an adult. This is exactly the exact opposite of what we educate our kids. Right. This, is, say, this is so harmful, inherently harmful, inherently damaging. And, and by the way, you know, you also have kids. Unfortunately, I, I heard recently of a child who went through the public school system and, and the poor girl was bullied straight through simply for having traditional values, for not signing on to the LGBTQ yeah. agenda, for uh, even being bullied if they would receive a flyer, be afraid to not take the flyer, and then somebody would deliberately chase them around the corner to bully them for throwing out the flyer. I mean, this is the, uh, yeah. the messaging that's being forced upon them, and that put her into a mental health crisis. Eating disorder, yeah. the whole gamut of things. Ruined her education. You know, this is not, no parent would want that for their child. And honestly, no sane school system would want to see that going on in their schools. What's going on in the public schools today is fundamentally insane. And anybody with sanity knows that that is true. I agree with you. And so we see in New York City, Regardless of, I know we've identified that there are some people that you feel have been pushing this, but the DOE has bought into it. They have allowed for the pressure to put them in a position where they are now 
coming after the yeshivas. As I said, 26 of 28, they're now saying, are not giving an adequate education to be considered proficient in life or to the standards of the DOE. We've established the fact that the NYC, NYC DOE isn't doing a very good job themselves with three quarters of, as you said, eighth graders not proficient in math. So we have demonstrated they have rampant failure. So, you know, get your own house in order. So what's the next step now, Sheva? What yeah. happens I, next? I, I want to throw in one more, one more thing and then I'm, I'm happy. Of course. So, um, so I, I discussed my daughter who's 16 and the, the respect that I have for her all-girls high school for, the, for taking on the importance of mental health and really being there for the girls. And I want to mention something else that uh, while well, with the girls' high school. So like a lot of the top jobs that they give out to the girls in 12th grade, which is the coming year, are, are given... They choose, there's about 200 girls in the grade. They, 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 they choose about say, 20, 25 girls, get the top jobs, which is like geo president, you know, things like that. So many of these girls that are chosen for these top positions in the grade don't necessarily have the highest grades. They are, so what do they have? They are, they have they're, they're, they're kind, they're compassionate, they have high morals. They, most of the time they're, you know, they have leadership personalities, not always. And this is also a very clear message telling them the most healthy way. Maybe you're, you're an 80 student, but you are capable, you're talented, you're compassionate, you're gonna go places someday. So this I felt was incredibly touching that they chose girls in the top positions who were just all around capable and talent, talented, not just girls that received straight hundreds. That was something else. Well, Hasheva, you and I both know as moms you know, I could learn a lot in school. I was a good student. I performed well. But a lot of the interpersonal communication that you have with your husband or with your children, you know, you're not learning that in a public school. You know, you're what you're talking about is that in the schools that your daughter is going to and your children, that those types of things are valued and are taught, right? right? And so there's just a difference there. And, and do, you know, the question becomes, Rabbi Mankin, before we close, and I'm going to let Sheva speak a little bit about the next steps, but I also would like for you to talk about... Um, you know, just in general, how public education may have a path forward respecting the values and the morals of families. Is there a path forward in your opinion? But Sheba, I'll let you um, finish speaking. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention about my son's school. So my son is now 15 and he goes to an all boys school, private all boys school. And that focuses mostly and only on Judaic studies at this point. And so what does his, what's a mandatory thing that all his classmates need to attend a minimum of once a week, usually Thursday evening, it's, it's mandatory. And oftentimes there's other times as well that they get together. They get together once a week with a mentor in somebody's home. They have snacks and treats and they have a get together and a conversation about self-improvement. They, they just sit around and discuss. They sing some Jewish songs together, Hasidic songs. They enjoy snacks together but there's a certain openness and a vulnerability that they create and they, uh, for, for boys at such a young age and show them you could be vulnerable, you can be open, we're not all perfect, we all have our challenges. And this, is, this goes for everyone in the entire school. This is not for a select group of boys that are struggling. They do this before the struggling boys emerge. This is for everybody. Yeah. And a mentor leads this, uh, we call it a fabrengen. A fabrengen is a Yiddish term for means coming together. And this is like, this is a standard in every boy's school and in my Chabad community that I'm part of. 
And it goes straight through manhood. My, my husband goes, joins Fabrengan every single Saturday after the Sabbath prayers. I sit around and have Fabrengan together. And again, it's that same conversation of self-improvement. Now, it's based on um, what we learn in the Bible. So again, there's, as you're, I, I never really thought of it this way, but I guess now, now, now that we're, we're breaking it down, articulating it, is that so much of, like you just said so eloquently, so much of our values are, are taught in schools that really allow our students to emerge as, success, as successful human beings because of what we learn, all these things that, I, that, that, we, that are already embedded in our school system. So that there's, got, there's got to be a magic to how so many yeshiva students are so successful. It doesn't come by accident. It's hard work and perseverance and building of your self-esteem and all that stuff. It's not easy. You're so, you're so right. But people have said to me before, like, oh, your kids are so well behaved. You're so lucky. And I'm like, oh, that's not luck. You don't understand. How, right? how much I mean, went into that we ever luck? Went anywhere. <laughs> right. You know, how many conversations about, you know, what are the expectations of engagement in any given opportunity? What are your expect, you know, and, and always working with them and supporting them. So it's not luck. You say magic. It's not magic. It's intention and heart and passion for family and taking your role as a parent um, very, very seriously. I talk a lot about rights, Rabbi Minkin, but with rights come responsibilities. And so in a situation in America right now, where we have so many parents um, that are having trouble managing some of the responsibilities of being parents. I'll say that in that way, right? And so some of the values, um, you know, that you would normally expect to be have to be transmitted in the home that may not be happening. And so there's a vacuum. So then the schools look and say, well, we're having issues with children regulating themselves, right? We're, we're seeing mental distress in kids. I would say that I think the public schools are bringing on a lot of the mental distress and exacerbating it as well. But for American parents who, who aren't sending their children to a yeshiva that may not have a private school or be able to afford a private school near them right now, um, as we navigate school choice, which I do believe in, I believe in education freedom. I believe that, you know, I'm never going to be the one that stands at the burning schoolhouse and says to the parent, oh, no, 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 you can't leave because I'm worried about what's going to happen, you know, at the different school, right? What is there a path forward here? Um, when it comes to public education and, and, and how do we move forward? I, I think the first thing to consider is, is what you mentioned about school choice and parental choice, because we are in this environment where one particular ideology is now being taught in the schools. The schools are really not supposed to just be teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. They are supposed to be teaching values and character. Martin Luther King said that, George Washington said that, Thomas Jefferson said that, leading educators say that, and yet the schools, first of all, they abdicated on it, but specifically they're celebrating a certain lifestyle that specifically says, no, anything goes, anything is legitimate, and you are a bigot and phobic if you don't support anything goes. In such an environment, I think one of the things you have to think about is school choice. I am not part of the Chabad community. I do not choose that. My kids do not go to Fabrengen. I do not go to Fabrengen on Saturday afternoon. But that's because I have a choice and the Taubis have a choice. And every parent gets to choose what they want. So first of all, even if you are not currently in a community where there is school choice, universal savings accounts and things like that are becoming more popular in states across the country. 
And that has to be something that every parent, even if you go to the public school system, you want to be behind. You want to be behind because, first of all, taxpayers are currently paying insane amounts of money. The school uh, in, in New York, it's $30,000 a year for every single child. And in Chicago, it's worse. It's and they claim, oh, but if you give school choice, the public schools will suffer because of the loss of money. But they see, no, we're not going to take any money away from the public schools. We're allocating additional money that private school parents can choose what they want to need to do. But besides that, wait a minute. If you don't need a classroom full of kids, that means a teacher you don't need to pay. Why is that a problem? Why is that a bad thing? That's where you recognize that the teachers union and the woke left are interested in the school and the institution, whereas those who are advocates for parental choice and school choice are advocates for the child. What is the best thing for the child? So you have to drive that message forward that we are focused on what is best for the child. And you have to elect people to school boards who believe in the child and the primacy of the child. And in the meantime, certainly, you have this situation where one particular ideology is being promoted in the schools to the exclusion of basic American values like character and respect for other people's property. You know, you have the same teacher who says a woke lifestyle who will not tell the kids thou shalt not steal because that's some kind of a moral judgment. You know, that's not the way it works. The school is supposed to be representing a certain message about character, and we have to be demanding that also. These are positive messages. These are not something that's against anybody else. So don't listen to the folks who push back and say you're phobic and hateful and racist and misogynist and every other name they can come up with. You have to focus on the positive message. We care about the kids and we care about the character and the American values that they are being taught because this is a common platform yeah. that the founding fathers wanted. This is what America is about. So there's a lot that could be done. And do I think that the battle could be won? Absolutely. But there's going to have to be a lot of effort to push this agenda indoctrination out of the schools. You're right. We'll spend over $850 billion on public education in America this year in 2023. And the proficiency scores out of the schools have never been lower. The teachers unions have made American public schools a jobs program uh, that care more about what adults want than what kids need. That is absolutely the case. I have seen it firsthand as a school board member and now working with schools and parents across the entire country. And it's something that the American people need to regain control and power of. That's why Moms for Liberty works so hard to reclaim the school board seats and then reform public education. And I am hopeful that we're working towards and are going to be able to make that happen. Uh, Sheva, I have always said, and we continue to say at Moms for Liberty, we don't, I don't have to agree with everything that you choose to do as a parent to support your right as a parent to teach your child as you see fit, right? And I think you feel the same way um, about you know parents having that right to raise their children. Um, a message to moms as they are standing up, and all moms, as Rabbi Minkin has said, there are Christian moms, Jewish moms, Muslim moms, moms who maybe don't have a, a religion or a faith, but that are really scared about the fact that they're sending their child into an environment that the teaching is antithetical to the teaching in their home, and it's challenging their authority in their child's life. So 
some parting advice for parents and moms. Can I jump in just to point out that there's no gender difference on this? There's a lot of that. Yes, there's no gender difference. There is no gender difference. There is no gender difference, but we are moms for liberty. And there is something, and, and even in the in the Jewish faith, I know the role of the woman and the mother is incredibly important. And I feel like once you have a child, once you are pregnant and you give birth to a child as a woman, it changes you. Um, every aspect of yourself. In fact, the, the DNA of your child is imprinted on you as a mom. I have a visceral reaction when they scrape their knee, my stomach turns. <laughs> um, I'm not the only mom, right? I know that feels that. So you're right if for moms and dads, but I do this podcast. And, and when I think about who my audience is, it's, you know, it's the moms who are, are working. Oh with yeah, us no, I don't mean to, be, you know, I think Moms for Liberty is doing incredibly <laughs> important work. Um, actually, okay, now that I've taken over the mic, I apologize, but I do want to point out that it is amazing. And I think Dennis Prager put it very well at your conference. He just said, they lie. The left just wants to lie. You think about what Moms for Liberty is all about. It's about individual parental choice. They don't want the ability to indoctrinate anybody else's child. The left does. And they project that on Moms for Liberty. They claim Moms for Liberty is pro-indoctrination of other people's kids. They say it all the time, and it's ridiculous, and it's completely wrong. They are violently opposed, but obviously not physically violently opposed, to indoctrination. And by the way, this is where that whole Hitler quote, deliberate misuse and manipulation of somebody saying, look, Hitler is the one who pointed out that indoctrination works and indoctrination is how you take over a society. That's exactly why it's the last thing you want. That is the message of Moms for Liberty. That is a message of sanity. And people cannot help but lie about it and they cannot help but lie about you. Now I want to let you They are lying, but they will, they will, they are, and I, what I will say back is they are lying, but we will keep standing for truth and the truth will prevail. If they are, if they have to lie to try to win, they will lose. That is just the truth. Yeah. So I know that in my heart, but thank you for that, Rabbi Minkin. I appreciate it. Definitely. The truth will, will prevail. I'm saying if I was a parent in that situation where I had, a, I needed to send my kids to a public school, I would just try really hard to teach my kids and educate them the way I'm doing already. And let them, you know, differentiate. I mean, the world is like that. And they walk out in the streets. And even even I have to do that to my kids and explain to them different things they're seeing and explaining it to what explain to them what it means and why it's happening. They just this also comes from just having a trusting relationship with your children for them to trust you yeah. and they know that you're the first person they go to. And, you know, you have to be their main source of all that. It's a harder job, much harder. I can't imagine having to put my kids through that every day, putting them into an environment of, of people that are that believe things so antithetical to my home. Very hard. And I, my heart goes out to those yeah. families. But I will say that there's a huge difference between when the teacher maintains a neutral posture versus when they actually promote an ideology that's antithetical to what's going on in yes. the home. Because there is yeah, no conflict in the child's mind when they go to school, they have a class in which they learn arithmetic and a class in which they learn history and a class in which they learn writing and grammar. And then they come home and have a class in morals and ethics. 
at least there's consistency there. And the same way that I don't look at this teacher and claim they're at odds with that teacher because they teach different subjects, it doesn't set up a conflict. Whereas if I'm in a home which teaches me values and ethics based on the Bible, and then go to a classroom where I'm told I have to celebrate things that are antithetical to the Bible, then I've, a conflict has been set up in the mind of me, the impressionable child. And that's creating that, that conflict. Yeah. That's creating that crisis. That's creating that problem. That's what's putting the daylight between teachers and students. That is what you guys are fighting to end, and that is what needs to end. We won't stop, I promise you that. Moms are gonna stand uh, for their right and dads for their rightful place in their children's lives. And I just thank you both very much for coming on and discussing this issue. Um, moms across the country support New York moms to have the freedom to educate their children as they know and feel uh, best. You guys are on the front lines. Sheva, um, I'm going to be thinking about you and your family. Um, and I hope that we'll find other ways to be able to work together in the future. Thank you. Thank you nice so much for this. Thank you, Rabbi Mason. Thank you so much.